You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 44. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Serenade Designs. Serenade Designs is owned by Julie Palmieri, a board-certified music therapist. Julie helps her fellow music therapists create, enhance, and rock their online presence. Through Julie's website design services, social media and online marketing services, and virtual assistance, she's here to help you rock your online presence while making it all feel effortless. She assists music therapists in having a strong representation on the web so that they can focus on working in the field they love, music therapy. Julie understands what it's like being a busy business owner as well as being a mom. You can learn more about how Julie can help you with your online presence at www.serenade-designs.com. In this episode, I'm chatting with Emily Wongan. Emily is the owner of Music Therapy in Motion, LLC. She is the mother of Levi, 7, Lydia, 5, and wife to Jason, who is the finance man in their business. Emily is NMT and NICU MT certified. Emily lives in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Her practice employs six music therapists, an intern, and spans over a 300 mile radius. Emily, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome, Rachel. This is so fun because we're face to face right now. And Emily is one of my favorite people. I see her every year at National Conference. That's where we met, I think, I don't know, five or six conferences ago. Mm -hmm. And we've just stayed in touch ever since. And so to be sitting down with you and to have this conversation is really exciting. So thank you. Likewise, I feel the same way. It's always great to see your bright smile and, and your face as well. And seeing you at conference every year comparing our our, uh, businesses and talking about just how our lives have changed, especially with motherhood. And Mm -hmm. it's it's a whole new adventure. It is a whole new adventure. Yes, it is. I remember um, our coffee date last year and just kind of talking through all of the logistical things. And I was pregnant with my second and you were filling me in on all your adventures (laughs) since you have two as well. So we'll talk all about that in the podcast today. Um, But let's start with getting a little bit of background from you. So how did you become a music therapist? Okay, yeah. So I started um, my music therapy degree actually by transferring into the University of North Dakota. I had first gone to um, a women's college called Cotty College just about an hour south of here actually um, in Nevada, Missouri. And in that I knew that I was going to be a music therapist. I had observed some music therapists in the Kansas City area here as well as um, in Missouri and just knew that music therapy was definitely for me. However, I had um, received some music scholarships and theater scholarships to go to Cotty College, which was a liberal arts. So I got my Associate of Arts there, graduated um, in 2001 and transferred back into UND in their second music therapy year. So it was a brand new program, their undergraduate program. Um, And that was a whole new beginning. Therese Castis was um, the director at that time of the program and now they are in their 15th year. So we just celebrated UND's 15th birthday of their music therapy program. So that's exciting. 
I did my internship in Bluffton, Indiana at Bi-County Services and that was working with individuals with intellectual disabilities. I felt like I was drawn to try to find where that niche was, whether it be um, helping them through music or if there was such a career. So that's how I fell into it and when I found that there was actually a profession called music therapy, I knew that there was no turning back. Um, my mom and dad, of course, you know, coming from a smaller town, had never heard of that. And, of course, they had their reservations, as they should, as parents, and were trying to protect me, thinking, are you sure that that's really a thing out there, <laughs> that people really do this? Um, so I, I decided that going to a liberal arts college was probably my best opportunity. Um, and getting some scholarships that weighed out in my favor and then looking at whether or not music therapy was going to be the right direction. So um, when UND opened their program in 2000, um, I knew that that was where I was going to go is I wanted to go back home. Um, so when I came back to UND and started uh, my studies there, I just knew that music therapy was for me. So that's kind of how it nice happened. nice that's such a fun story yeah. and so after you completed your studies and your internship how did your career start from there okay so when I came back to North Dakota music therapy was really only evolved um, at the college level you could say um, there had been music therapists now we find out several years later that there was an internship program in the Fargo Moorhead area back in like the 70s or even in the 80s um, however we weren't aware of that until just a few years ago um, so music therapy had trickled into North Dakota um, in in part and in history um, there were when I started my music therapy career there were two music therapists at the university or actually one music therapist at the university um, Therese Costas and then another one working in the community um, who had just graduated from the UND program so she was just getting started trying to start some private practice um, her field actually uh, or her career actually took her into a different state um, with her family so she uh, moved and I ended up um, kind of pioneering and, and um, piloting different programs through our uh, through our community so it was a lot of support going to support groups a lot of marketing a lot of door-to-door -door, doing lots of presentations we started um, our first contract, you could say, or let me back up a little bit. So before I was actually board certified, I worked in an autism classroom um, as a para, trying to get to know the schools and just trying to get to understand how this was going to work in our community. So Therese um, Costas at that time was the director at UND. She wrote a seed grant. Um, for the Grand Forks Public Schools and then in which as we were granted the money then I was able to um, come in as the acting music therapist so that time the year that I was a paraprofessional at 
one of the schools in the autism classroom that was really instrumental in helping me make those networking opportunities and connections with administration as well as families. So um, once that grant was in place, then that really helped facilitate where the music therapy was going to happen in the schools. So once that got going, it grew over time and gradually into a contract position in which that's how we started Music Therapy in Motion. So you have been self-employed basically your entire career? Correct. Okay. And at this time you said that you were with your husband. You had moved back to North Dakota Mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. So did you get married during that time or had that happened earlier or what was that? We did. Yeah. So we had dated in an internship, um, moved back to North Dakota. Uh, I said if I could get music therapy up and going within one year in North Dakota (laughs) that I would stay in North Dakota. He had a job there, um, so I thought, okay, I'll give it a go in North Dakota for one year. So during that year, it was when the pilot project was written for the schools. I was working as a para, and basically within that year, music therapy started to take off. It was a slow ride for a long time. Um, There were many months that I had to work a part-time job. I also did some kinder music um, on the side. I taught some lessons. I worked at a flower shop. Um, there were there were many days that I did not know if I was going to make it. Um, you could say that living in a place where music therapy didn't naturally exist or hadn't existed before was a very difficult endeavor. Um, however, through the schools, it became much more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Much more present, Mm -hmm. you could say. Yeah. Okay. And at this point, was work basically your focus, or had you started thinking about starting a family? Yeah. So work was primarily my focus for about um, two years. So after, during that year's time, we got married. Um, We started a family about two years after that. We actually got pregnant with our first child um, back in 2007. Um, That was a real difficult situation. I had a lot of uh, sickness with that particular pregnancy. And during that time, I was working a lot of hours, um, driving all over the countryside sometimes. 900 miles a week while you were pregnant while I was pregnant and sick as a dog and sick as a dog yep and my morning sickness actually was happening um, in the afternoon into the evening Um, sad story is is that particular pregnancy um, didn't end well we actually lost that particular baby um, Mm -hmm. at 14 weeks oh my gosh yeah that was a really hard, um, cold reality, and you know there was there wasn't really anything that we could do about it. Um, so we went through that grieving process, and as a therapist, trying to understand that and working and to keep working with children was a really difficult task. Um, that was that was a a hard, brutal reality of learning when do you tell people that you're pregnant um because I was 14 weeks right so had you told people at that point yeah Yeah. I had told I mean I had told teachers I had told students by that time 
Um, so there was a whole new level of like trying to back up and trying to heal myself. Um, and, and that was hard. So when I did become pregnant with our son, Levi, who is now seven and three quarters, he'll <laughs> be eight in February. Um, so when I got pregnant with Levi, um, I was really, really protective. And I didn't tell anybody for a long time. In fact, actually, I didn't even keep a baby book because <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to know. Like, I, I don't want to write anything down. Right. Um, but as time has gone on, you know, we talk about all of our pregnancies very open um, because we have three kids um, and our children are aware of that. Um, baby Avery, we don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but they know baby Avery's in heaven and they talk about him or her. <laughs> my son calls it a boy, my <laughs> daughter calls her a girl and that's okay. They're yeah. seven and five now. My daughter Lydia's five and Levi is seven. Um, we have, there's a guardian angel spot in a local um, gravesite through the hospital in which our baby is buried and so the kids are very aware of that and so we talk about that um, and we go there often so that's just a whole new part of being a mom and being present with your kids and making sure that they're aware of the whole life process. I think that's amazing that they are aware and that it mm -hmm. hasn't been something that you've kept from them to protect their feelings or protect, you know, mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I so appreciate you sharing that mm -hmm. because I think that you're right. It's not something that's talked about a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that people feel like when people do have pregnancy loss, that mm -hmm. it's something that, oh, don't remind them of it. Don't bring it up. Mm -hmm. But what, what I've always heard is it's always on your mind and yeah. it's not something you're going to forget or, you know, right. it's going to you know, you're going to have to be reminded of. It's something right. that's a part of you. And like you said, it's your baby. And yep. um, I think that's amazing that, that you're willing to share and that you yeah. have made it a part of your family. Yeah. And, you know, part of that whole process was, I mean, for a long time, I blamed myself that I was working so hard. I kept saying, oh, I, I must have done this to myself because I was working so hard. But in the true reality of it is, is that's not the case no. you know the cases um, our doctor was really great and and she said you know what some pregnancies are meant to be and others aren't and mm -hmm. so um, just understanding that um, was a real growth process for me as as a mom who didn't have a physical child to hold um, but also then as a clinician, too, it brought a whole new element and perspective to my clinical practice um, that I'm I'm really aware of and very present with patients and, and people, too. Yeah, so. it gives you a whole other perspective that most people don't have. For sure, yeah. So after that, um, I got, actually got pregnant with Levi four months <laughs> after that, oh which was, um, we, we had tried um, for our first for quite some time, and... I just said, you know, I'm gonna, we're just going to stop trying and whatever happens, happens. Like, we're just going to put it in God's hands and that's what will be. And four months later, we were pregnant with Levi. And <laughs> so he has been a joy. Um, he has, he is a very active 
seven-year-old, and the life has given us lots of different challenges. Um, raising a boy, as you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're busy little guys. Yes, they are. Um, and as I'm running around the countryside, two years later, I realize I don't feel well again, and I'm thinking to myself, "Huh, I wonder if I'm pregnant." Yep, I'm 80 <laughs> miles away, and I decide during a break in between sessions I'm going to go grab a pregnancy oh, test. No. <laughs> and I find out we're expecting our second child. So you hadn't actively been trying no. or tracking or anything? No, nope. So anyway, here we are, and I thought, okay, God has a much different plan than we had expected. <laughs> <laughs> As he so often does. As he does. And now we have two beautiful children. Levi is, like I said, seven, and Lydia's just in preschool. She's actually entered full-day preschool with an after-school program. Oh, so nice. our kids go to a local Catholic school um, in Grand Forks. It's a small, um, a small school, about 100 kids. They generally cap the classes at 10 to 12. Oh, that's amazing. Um, actually, one of our, our daughter in preschool, that preschool program is growing. So they have 18 kids, and her teacher, um, excuse me, her teacher is actually another music therapist's sister, oh, Natasha's no. sister. So that's so funny. It is awesome. Small yeah. world. It is. So they get a lot of great music and a lot of um, awesome enrichment really really amazing stuff so we're fortunate to have that and for our work schedules it works out really well because um, we just weren't able to my husband um, works for John Deere as a corporate goods manager um, and he oftentimes has meetings and different things going on during the day he meets with lots of different sales reps and and auction representatives and so forth Um, and so he can't transport our daughter back and forth from daycare to preschool and preschool back to daycare so we decided that the only program we felt was going to accommodate us um, and we did so for Levi as well was the Catholic um, preschool program so yeah yeah and then they have an after-school program too so they just stay right at the school until you can pick your kids up after school or after work until 5.30. So for us, they love it there so much, they don't even want to come home <laughs> at 5 o'clock. And we're like, you've been here all day. Like when they wake up in the morning, they want to go to school right away and they want to be picked up. You know, they, they don't want to be picked up, I should say. So yeah. it's a great problem. I'm sure have. that, yeah, it's it's kind of two sides of the coin. It's like you want your kids to be happy to see you, but at the same time, you want them to love where they are right. during the day. And for us to, you know, choosing um, a private school was part of um, was part of that too, knowing that I'm not going to be a stay-at-home mom. I have invested my life and my, my career um, or I should say my time and energy into my practice, um, and I really desire to want to work. I'm not a person that could stay home um, seven or five days a week. I could maybe do two days a week at home, Mm -hmm. but I'm definitely a working type of mom. So I knew that right away, and I thought, you know, I just... I think that we're going to have to find a very supportive program for our kids so that um, it helps me cope right. as a mom and also that we're giving them really great educational resources too. Yeah. So before they were old enough to go to school, how did you manage 
um, their childcare and your work schedules? You know, that was the beautiful thing about being in private practice. And I can say that about private practice um, is great because you can run your own schedule, but you only get paid when you work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there were many days when, um, if my kids were sick, I stayed home. Or sometimes we had to share that role. If I had presentations or I had large groups or different things I had to be at, then my husband had to stay home. Um, When we first started our family, we were living 30 miles outside of Grand Forks in a rural community. Um, So we were commuting an hour, basically, um, each day in the snow, in the winters, the cold, harsh winters, um, blowing snow. So when, you know, the weather starts to get icky and and they're talking about no travel advice, then we have to make the decision whether or not we're going to leave work early and pick up the kids from daycare and drive home early or if we're going to pack an extra bag the night before to stay in town. So there was a lot of elements that we had to kind of pre-plan. There were days when... (laughs) My, you know, my son would wake up with pink eye at 6.30 in the morning and I'd call my mother-in-law from Fargo, which is about 115 miles away, and I'd say, I've got a really busy schedule. Can you be here in two hours? And she would. That's amazing. (laughs) So that was awesome that um, my husband's mom was partially retired at that time. Mm. So she was able to meet our needs some of the time. Um, Otherwise, the flexibility of private practice is really essentially what helped me raise my kids. Um, There were many days that I had to take off work or cancel sessions because I needed to be there for my my children. Um, During that period of time, too, um, my dad actually passed away, too. So there was a point of time when um, I had to take about two months off intermittently um, as my father had suffered a brain aneurysm. So we were commuting back and forth to Minneapolis, which was about five hours. So there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of flexibility in my job, and I'm forever grateful for that because, you know, there, was, there were times when I knew that I was going to be missing work for probably a week to two weeks at a time, and there was never any questions asked by administration or anything. It was just clearly... I'm in my own business, and if I'm not showing up for work, there's clearly a reason for that. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sure that the work that you did and the services that you provided to them, yeah. you built a relationship where they knew, of course, that, you right. know, you had good reason for right. missing work. And yeah. And, you know, what was really great about that, too, is um, living in Grand Forks and working where we are we have the university community already affiliated so we had some music therapists at that time that could help with that work Um, some music therapists who were more familiar with um, the different populations so we did have some people subbing the one interesting thing if I back up a little bit was when we were first beginning our practice and it was just me working like I said, we started with one school district. We got another school contract. Pretty soon we started building our private practice um, with individuals with disabilities. Started going into state programs. Um, there were a lot of times when I thought, okay, is, is it time to hire another person? I, I, I'm not quite sure. 
it got to be a point, like I said, when I was driving 900 miles a week and I had a toddler and I'm driving, I'm in Grand Forks for half of that time and then I'm dropping off my toddler for two days in Fargo and driving out to Valley City and picking him back up and getting home at nine o'clock at night on a Friday and going, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I, I don't, don't know how you did that. I, I honestly don't know how you did that. You know, and I think the reason I did, I did what I did was is because I'm so passionate about music therapy and I'm so passionate about like our clients and giving them the services that they deserve. I felt um, like I have this opportunity and I should be able to do this. And so for a while, I kind of felt like I had to be Wonder Woman mm -hmm. because I was the only one that right. could, could do this. Um, but we had some great resources, thankfully for the University of North Dakota, and I'll just give that little plug, go Sue, um, <laughs> <laughs> that we had some great music therapists um, who were affiliated with the university that helped out during the time of need when my father was passing, as well as when I was having kids. So um, we had students who were coming out of the program who had just recently become um, board certified that were able to take that maternity leave for me. Um, Natasha Thomas, she had mm -hmm. done some of that as well as another another therapist during that time. And so it's been an evolution. It's definitely been a lot of um, a lot of things have happened over the last 10 years. So yeah. Mm. Um, another thing I should just say, so our practice is spread out from Grand Forks to Fargo and in between there's about 80 miles. So in the winter, driving back and forth from Grand Forks to Fargo is not really feasible. So I found that um, it was time about six years, five years ago now, almost going on six, um, that we were ready to hire a contractor. So we hired one contractor as um, we were able to get in on the Obama stimulus money mm. through the schools and started another school program within the Fargo Public Schools. And so during that time, I realized I couldn't be driving. I needed to be more present as a mom. Um, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't safe for me to be driving this much, especially with my child and on the winter roads and all that good stuff. Um, and we wanted to maybe think about having a bigger family. At that time, I, I only had one child, and so we were, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, at some point we want to have another, but um, anyway, so that's kind of how business got started in the Fargo area. Things have really picked up there, and so just recently we hired another therapist about a year ago and hired another one about three months ago, so life is in in private practice in North Dakota is going pretty well. That's amazing to hear and it's so cool because I've followed your journey this whole time and seen the progress and um, you also just recently opened up your own clinic space. Yeah. Yeah, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, so what I'm curious to hear what is your ideal vision for your business and how do you see yourself fitting into it? How much work ideally do you want to take on and how much time do you want to spend you know, at home or with your kids or elsewhere? Yeah. So, you know, as I look at this process as an overview and, and if I put it into a timeline <laughs> and into 
colors, if you will. Um, the first five years were probably like a lot of scribbles and a lot of different colors going every which way. Like it probably looked like a two-year-old scribbling all over a piece of paper. You can maybe uh -huh, totally. I can, I can so relate. Yeah. I love this analogy. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. So that's exactly where my life was for about five years. I was all over the paper with a thousand different colors going to schools and state programs and driving to Fargo and out in Crookston and back to see someone else in their home. Oh, you want a presentation? Sure, I'll do that. How about a Saturday? Yep, you got it. How about a Sunday? No problem. I'll be there at two after church, you know? So it was like I could never say no. And because I was literally invested in the fact of I am going to grow music therapy in North Dakota, if if I'm not going to do this, who is going to do this? And I, I wanted that for our profession and especially um, for our state. So as it continued to grow, um, things just, you know, as I said, we hired a, a contractor in the Fargo area, um, one in Grand Forks. And as things kind of continued to um, evolve, I would say that my roles have changed from being a 60-hour week therapist, you could say. I mean, there were many times that I was working, I mean, clearly, as a music therapist, you know, clinical hours, I know that there were hours, there were weeks that I was putting in probably 35 clinical hours. That's insanity. And then, you know, multiple documentation and, and then business and and everything else besides. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, all of that sometimes had to happen. Billing and everything else had to happen on the weekends or when kiddo was in bed. Um, so as time has evolved, I think that our colors have, our map has maybe become more defined. I've learned that when things get too crazy, I need to take a step back and start delegating. Um, in our Fargo location, we've got, I mean, in both locations, Grand Forks and Fargo, we have amazing music therapists that I have had the privilege to supervise in college. Um, actually, everybody that works for us, um, with the exception of one, um, has gone to the University of North Dakota. And so we've had an amazing opportunity to supervise. I've had the opportunity to supervise many of these students or many of these music therapists as students. And then as they've wanted to come back to the area, then we've created more work for them to come back and sustain a job with music therapy in motion. Um, and so as I see what their strengths are and where they want to work and which populations they want to serve, that's where we start to create and build work. And and so we start to really define where our practice is going by who's coming in, too. So it, it's kind of began to change in a lot of different ways. Um, the color analogy has gone from a scribble to maybe um, like a congested traffic jam of <laughs> colors. And now you could say Fargo is kind of its own map and Grand Forks is its own map. And um, I used to drive back and forth to Fargo on a weekly basis serving a psychiatric placement as well as um, checking on things more frequently. And now things are so well run um, that 
I don't necessarily have to do that as much. Um, we've got the therapists are in great communication with each other there. They work really tightly. Um, we have we try to have weekly phone calls or Skype. Sometimes it's every other week. Sometimes it's once a month, depending on our schedules. But we check we're checking in constantly um, via email, sending text messages, that sort of thing. So technology has certainly helped us in that way and in, in shape and form become more organized. So last year at conference, I was just actually looking through uh, on my Facebook page something showed up the other day saying, oh, time hop, or look at this picture from a year ago. And I took a picture of my office, quote unquote, my office, um, which was my dining room table for the past 10 years. And my dining room table was pretty large at this point, And it was literally covered with papers and coffee cups and post conference materials and it literally looked like some filing cabinet like threw up all (laughs) over a table Uh yeah um and so I was looking at that picture right before conference actually the day I flew out and thinking to myself oh my gosh I have accomplished and I shouldn't say I but we as music therapy in motion because I really I really feel like our company, and when I say our company, I mean my husband and I are involved in the company because he does mainly the financial part. Um, however, I do all the billing, <laughs> and we have an accountant, but he certainly shares the roles in making sure that the cash flow and the margin is there. Um, but we, as our therapists, we all work as a team. So when I think about how far we've come, it certainly hasn't been me by any means. But yes, have I made some really serious decisions in the last year? Of course. Um, our clinic has been one of the best things that has happened to us because it's allowed me literally the opportunity to separate home from work Mm -hmm. and I cannot tell you how much as a parent I did not know how much work was affecting my home life until I moved it out of my home Um, there were I, I would become so saturated in my work even on weekends that I started to realize that as my kids were getting older I was allowing them to have more technology time and more TV time and more movie time or eating like goldfish and snacks when mommy needed to get something done at the table. So there were times that I I look back going, oh my gosh, what a monster mom. What was I doing to my kids? Like I'm providing them with garbage to eat and technology so that I can get something done. But really when I think about it, we have to have those things in order to get things done. It I'm is so true. And we live in such a different day and age now where you're comparing yourself to to people that don't necessarily own a business and have all of these things going on at the same time. And, you know, I think back to when I was a kid and my mom wasn't sitting there doing activities with me all day. No. I mean, I watched tons of TV yeah. and, you know, ate crap and mm-hmm. I turned out okay. Right. I think most of us in our generation yeah. would say the same. Right. Um, so, But it is hard to compare because now with, you know, all of these very carefully curated pictures on Facebook and mm-hmm. Instagram and Pinterest and mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to compare yourself to those very fleeting glimpses of right. people's lives. 
Right. And I would say the same. I mean, there have been <laughs> time and time again when I'd be sitting at the kitchen table or dining room table and my kids just knew don't touch the dining room table. <laughs> so are you all wondering where we ate? Well, thankfully our house had uh, or our second house. We ended up moving into Grand Forks seven. Well, it would have been we lived in Laramore for seven years and then we moved to Grand Forks three years ago just because the commute got to be too much. And we knew that we needed to make some serious decisions with the business. I was driving too much. It wasn't safe for us to be on the road. Um, we knew that we wanted to open a clinic and in order for that to happen, I needed to be more present in the city that we lived in. Um, so it really, that, that played a great role. But as I look back at all the time that was spent on the weekends and at nights, I would be billing at like, it was not uncommon for me to be billing facilities at 12 o'clock at night or even at you know, one in the morning sometimes. And when I think back, I'm wondering what their administrators were really thinking. Like, I just got an email from a music therapist at one in the morning and she's sending me her bill. That is 10 days late, you know, mm -hmm. in the sense of your bill, I guess I should say our, we bill after the service. So the service is rendered all the way, you know, from October 1st to October 30th or 31st, I should say. Um, and usually I try to get billing out for that service within the first week. Well, I know there were many, many months that that billing didn't even happen till the second week because I was so, so busy. And then my husband's asking Emily, um, where's the checks? Like, where's the cash flow? And I'm going, oh, yeah. Huh, billing. <laughs> billing. Oh, yeah. I, I'll that, get that billing done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get I actually have because I do our billing, too. And. Um, and it's usually either at like 5 a.m. or like 1 o'clock in the morning before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. And I'll get parents and families emailing me like, what are you doing up? <laughs> it's the only time sometimes it is, yeah. that we as working moms, working music therapists, I mean, I think the thing that I have learned the most and what's been more defining for me in the last year is I've really realized and learned that I have to balance my life. So what does my life look like now versus what it looked like in the last 10 years? I would really say that the last, mm, the first five years were definitely this scribble analogy. Then there were a few years that were definitely like this, I don't know, kind of crazy colored all over piece of paper. And the last three years, there's definitely been like, the roadblocks are clearing up a little bit, but a nice little rainbow, nice little happening. rainbow highway coming through. And and granted, by no way, shape, or form is this picture a clear picture right now. But I would say that there are little. It, it's a pretty defined road, I think, right now, and and we know what's happening in each situation. Um, we definitely have a lot of ideas, a lot of dreams to to start possibly another clinic in the Fargo-Moorhead area, um, and we hope for that to happen within the next year. I'm hoping that we can continue to grow the community-based services out of our current clinic and understand what it looks like to operate in one city and then to mirror that and to make the appropriate changes that we need to for a second city. So um, 
also thinking about the differences in the cities and the differences in the populations that we're serving in each in each community, um, you have to take that into an account as well. So sure, yeah. So you've got all of these things happening with your business and with your kids as they get older. I'm sure they're getting involved in more things. And they are. It's becoming more of a, a time constraint trying to juggle all of their activities. But yeah. where does your self-care come in, into effect? You know, since we've opened the clinic, and I'll go back to this again, just since I moved the office outside of the home, there has been literally a 200 pound weight lifted off my shoulders. And I think that for me, it was about creating a clear def like definition or a clear defining area of work stays at work, home stays at home. And I never had that. I could never close the dining room <laughs> door. And when I say that, yes, I did have a home office where our files and everything were kept, but as a mom and kids are constantly around, they want to be around you and they can't, you can't necessarily do your work in your office with your kids in the office. So your work naturally gets brought out to the living area mm -hmm. where your kids are. And so, um, when I think about how has self care played a role, certainly I know that separation from work and home has played a big part in it. Also, I know that our ability to now hire music therapists has gotten a little bit easier because we do have um, more music therapists who are coming back to our state um, and have interest in, um, in working with our company. So we have built quite a platform and, and I would say a rapport for um, being a reputable private practice um, in our area. So there are a lot of students who are going through the program and then thinking about coming back to our area. Um, with that, that's provided us with opportunities to hire more people. Naturally, as we hire more people, I'm lighting, lightening my load. Um, I'm delegating more work. I've really taken a look at where, what can I delegate to someone else what are my strengths what are their strengths and where do I need to be present where do I want to grow how can I help our business get to the next level and really trying to access our strengths so um, right now currently Mondays and Wednesdays are I have very actually <laughs> I should say this I tried to schedule my Mondays and Wednesdays with no clients I have had to work one client in on a Monday and one client in on a Wednesday due to some scheduling conflicts, but I try to minimize that. Um, on Mondays usually is billing day and checking in with contracts and making sure um, paperwork is where it needs to be. Wednesdays is generally networking. I do do some volunteer work with a Parkinson's group as well as um, one with um, some volunteer work with an Alzheimer's group once a month. Um, essentially for us to network and to give them an idea of what music therapy is. So hoping that we're going to turn that into some service at some point. Um, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, I'm a working clinician. Um, and obviously, you know, things have, tr we have certainly tried to, um, define the work day from eight to five um, and I try to leave the computer at the office and before 
eight in the morning, I try to go to the gym or after my kids go to bed, I try to work out. Um, but I'm also in grad school. <laughs> So, when do I work that in? Let me just tell you a little bit about my schedule. Yep, from like 5 to 8 in the morning, that's my time. However, I just decide to spend it. Either it's grad school or exercise or work. That's what can happen between that time. And then it's get the kids to school. You work all day. Pick the kids up. You run them to activities from 5 to 8. Get their homework done. Spend time with them. Do whatever they need of you until about 8.30 after they're in bed, then it's you time again. And usually, actually right now, because of grad school, um, I'm doing the hybrid program with Annie Heiderscheidt through Augsburg, which provides a wonderful opportunity for online presence. Um, most of the work is done online, and then once a month for certain classes, we have to travel for a three-day intensive, or some of them are two-day intensives. So we've just finished that up for the fall semester. So um, after my kids go to bed, then it's school time or business time. Um, I've tried to make it just school time, so business stays at the clinic. School happens after the kids go to bed. And then on the weekends, I try to get up at 5 or 6 in the morning on a Saturday to get schoolwork done before the kids get up. Um, and then it's kids' activities in the morning, usually Saturday. We try to have date night once a week or every other week and then Sunday afternoons oftentimes I'll run to the office to do homework so I really had to just define what my days and weeks look like and if grad school was going to be in the picture at all I just had to know that there was going to I'm going to have to cut out a chunk of time and I knew that taking on grad school was going to be part of my work. And in order for me to do that, I knew I had to either hire more therapists or delegate more of my caseload to them. So so from this evolution that you've been through, from the scribble to the, the Rainbow Highway that seems to be getting a little thicker, it might be more streamlined, but it seems to keep adding on mm -hmm. more colors. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to other music therapists, particularly business owners that have kids? You know, first and foremost, and I tell all of our music therapists, um, we actually are in a really interesting time right now. We have th two of our main music therapists are pregnant right now. Um, so we're gearing up for coverage on maternity leaves. Um, and then two other music therapists whom I thought potentially could maybe um, be fill-ins, they're pregnant too. So um, don't drink the water in North Dakota right now. You might get pregnant. <laughs> no. no, it's a great thing. And, and we all joke about it um, that they could have spaced it out better. But, you know, <laughs> it, happens, but, it, happens. But it happens, it happens. So what I was going to say is family comes first. So when in doubt, your kids come first and I I tell our therapists that who are pregnant right now and even as some of our therapists have had um, immediate family deaths happen over the past years that don't ever worry about work that work is work and it will always be there and family always comes first so um, same thing is is with weather I don't ever want them to risk their lives in the crazy weather that we have in North Dakota if they're saying no travel advice then that means that you do not leave town and 
So um, advice-wise, I would say that knowing, having, I think over the last 10 years, like understanding and networking with people has really helped me. Um, knowing who to ask for questions about particular issues, um, the music therapy business owners, that's been an awesome opportunity for us to network on Facebook and through conferences. Um, I've consulted several different business owners about particular um, business processes in the last year, and that's helped our business exceptionally. Um, we switched our business from contract to employee, and I consulted a few other uh, music therapists about that. Um, I had a business analyst look at our books to try to help us understand cash flow and profit margin. Um, and so just knowing who your connections are is essential. Um, from a mom's point of perspective, is I think what's become really clear for me is that when my kids are awake and when I'm home with my kids, that's my kids' time. I'm not going to take away their time because I'm never going to get that back. So it's really important that I'm present in their life. Now, does that mean that I get a phone call once in a while or that I do check Facebook once in a while? Sure, it does. But it's usually when they're not saying, Mommy, Mommy, or they're not hanging on my hip, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but I would say that when we're home, um, I generally have my phone. I, I usually don't take phone calls. Um, or I try not to check Facebook and try not to look at technology. Um, I generally only take business phone calls um, during the hours of 8 and 5, unless it's a music therapist at one of our, um, in, in one of our, surrounding cities that needs my attention immediately um, sometimes I just say I'm, I'm busy because I am busy and it is supper time mm -hmm. um, so just knowing your boundaries and knowing your balance I know that during the season changes I start to feel a little edgy and I need a little bit more grounding and so being aware of that and knowing, okay, I know in the fall and in the spring and when we go from our school schedules into summer, that's always a really crazy scheduling time. I start to try to prepare myself for that mentally by going to spin class or a yoga class, um, getting out with friends, joining a knitting little um, group recently has been something that I'm just trying to fill myself full of like a, a creative outlet in order to give myself some breathe, breathe time. A lot of good advice there. Thank you You're for welcome. all of that. Well, Emily, this has been so much fun and so enlightening. Thank you so much for taking time out from your conference schedule, which I know is always busy to chat with me. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. And I can say, too, that I've listened to many of these podcasts. And I've always thought, hmm, I wonder what I would say if I was <laughs> ever on one of these. So I'm excited to, uh, to hear um, the podcast. And like I said, this has been an honor for me, too, as I've followed you. And you've always been an icon that I've looked up to as well with your Listen and Learn um, oh. music. Well, and thank you. We oftentimes refer people to that as thank well. Thank you. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Emily a message, you can contact her via email, emily at musictherapyinmotion.com. There are just six episodes left of this inaugural season of the podcast. 
So if you'd like to be a guest, let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And while you're there, make sure to sign up for my email list. I'll talk to you again next week.